Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, with today's show, Mario Minincilli, co founder of Prana Chai a Melbourne-based company that has been delighting cafes worldwide with their homemade chai, handmade chai. Mario and his two business partners, Vincent and Karai, embarked on a journey over a decade ago crafting a unique chai blend that will that eventually led to creation of Piranha Chai. It's a pleasure to have you today, Mario. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely fantastic to have you here, especially as this is a, you know, a Melbourne success story that is supplying so many venues, you know, worldwide, and we're going to get into that today. Actually, why don't we start with that? How did you how did you guys actually start Prana Chai? Like, how did you get into that as being an idea that you guys wanted to do together? Well, we were operating a cafe in St Kilda, Inca 7 on Inkerman Street there, which was good times, <laughs> a bit of an eclectic place. I bet. And we were just making chai for our customers, we had done a bit of travel in the in the in, in around India and Nepal, and we just sort of tested it on our customers and made it for them, and they liked it. And over some time, we perfected the recipe there. And a couple of cafe owners from the area that would come to our place mm. wanted to serve it in in their cafe, so we would just give them. A plastic bag of it. We made it made a bit extra for them, and you know, <laughs> it's all very casual. Mm. Uh, and it sort of just went from there. A few others came on board in the same way, and one day Vincent sort of said, "Oh, I'm going to go around and visit everyone we know and all all the cafes that we have relationships with and mm. see if they want to use it." And a few did, and we just went on like that for a while. It wasn't. A serious side hustle or anything like that. It was just we we're just making a bit extra for anyone that wanted it. And uh, one day, Karai, my other business partner, was a customer of ours, and he sort of saw what we were doing. He saw us at the back of the cafe with rubber mallets and blocks <laughs> of wood, smashing <laughs> spices and big pasta pots and wooden spoons, mixing it all up. Yeah. And he sort of asked, "Yeah, what are you guys doing?" And we told him and. On that day, Vincent was going to do some delivery, so he said, oh, why don't you come and and come on the delivery run with us? So he went with Vincent and 
he just loved what he saw. He 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 saw what it meant to people and how everyone got excited when when they turned up with the chai and mm. like the hospitality side of things because he's not from hospitality. And he sort of said, "Oh, you got something great here, you know. You should brand it and get a website and do, you know." All those things that you're supposed to do. And we sort of said, well, look, we don't have any time. We're busy washing dishes and, you know, <laughs> working seven days a week in the cafe trying yep. to make ends meet. Yep. So we said, well, you know, why don't you do it? And so he said, okay, I will. So he sort of worked on all those things that we we didn't have and made it a, a, a proper side hustle. And mm. together we came up with Pranachai and the brand and everything. And that's how he got involved. And, yeah, Pranachai was was born that way so it was a bit wow. of a, an accident just started with taking 20 bucks out of the till and going to buy some spices and we used the honey that we had in the in the cafe to make the first batch and yeah that's that's how it all began was it was chai something that you and Vincent always like to drink or like how did that sort of come about not before we went away but yeah right in india and nepal we got into it you know yeah right so what what were you doing in 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 Nepal? Was that supposed to be just a was that supposed to be a work trip or was that supposed to be just a normal trip? No, no, we're mates. We've been mates since yeah. we were six years old, and we were just wow. on a big backpacking trip. Went all around the world. Four years we were gone, and yeah, that was just part of it. And God, yeah. And what did you what did you see about it on that trip that you thought you could bring back and actually like it could actually be a beverage that would sell sort of here well, in Australia? No, the cafe that we bought was already serving a chai. Yeah, but we sort of just got into it because we liked it and thought we could make something a little bit better and sure and it all happened from there what did you notice about it what did you notice about normal chai product at that time then what did you try and sort of do different with prana chai well it was mainly powders and syrups it was instant chai yep and uh, we wanted something that was a bit was natural and a bit bit nicer and a bit better for you a bit more balanced flavor if you know what i mean mm-hmm. but we didn't want to use crap loads of sugar like they do in india <laughs> yes, you know? that, yes. that wouldn't go down well so <laughs> we you know blended it with honey for that sweetness mm. yeah did it take you a long time to develop what now is what the product is yeah well it's, it's always developing it's always we're always trying to improve the product have that same flavor profile because we know people love it but mm-hmm. always trying to figure out ways to get the most out of the spices and trying to source different spices the recipe's always changing slightly because obviously it's natural product mm. dependent on the volatile oils in the in the spices and what you can get your hands on and you know what happens when they grow it Mm. You know, the, the yields that they get and stuff. So mm. it's always changing and always, yeah. So it's a, it's a bit of a balance between experimenting and trying to improve but keeping that same flavour profile because people like like what we do. Sure. How many spices did it actually use? Like I've got no – like I've got so little knowledge <laughs> on chai, right? So you're going to train me a lot today, right? <laughs> Is it more than 10? Is it more than 15? Like how many does no, it no. normally use? There's seven. Yeah, Seven right. And okay. The tea and the honey. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's just pepper, cardamom, star anise, ginger, cloves. Yeah. And some other things you can't tell me. Yeah. 
how, how long had you had the product in market with Karai sort of starting to sell it and that kind of stuff before you didn't have the cafe anymore and you decided to let that go? Oh, we had, it was probably about four years. We opened up a couple more after that one. Okay. One of them we opened up because we needed more room to, to make the chai. Sure. It was sort of getting busier. So we said, okay, well, let's find another cafe, but something with a bit of room. So we opened up the Merchants Guild in East Bentley, and that had a big area down the back. It used to be a bakery and it had a, a significant amount of room at the back that we could make the chai. But, um, yeah, from the, from, from the word go, as soon as we <laughs> opened, it was really busy, so... That sort of didn't last long. <laughs> and for a while, we sort of shifted the making of the chai to a night shift because we needed that area to seat customers. Mm. So we'd, you know, pull all-nighters or we'd get people to come in and help us at night wow. make the chai a few days a week. And then that didn't last long, so we moved into a factory right. in Cheltenham, yeah. So what – was it just the case that – because I'm always interested when people, when brands make that leap to the next stage, right? Was it just the fact that you ran out of space or was there a moment where the three of you sort of got together and go, hey, like, we need to go into a factory here because, like, we can't keep continuing to pull the the way this brand is moving the way it is. Like, we need to do something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was – we probably left it too long and we probably shouldn't have tried to do it in the back of that cafe. That was probably a bit – short-minded short-sightedness maybe Mm -hmm. because it was never really big enough it was never going to be a long-term solution so probably should have skipped that step (laughs) 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 how did you evolve the brand i mean it's been around for over a decade like how did you make it from you know just being a melbourne product and something you guys were you know making in the back of an old bakery to actually spend this over over australia and then obviously internationally right like you're selling this Not just in not just in Australia. Like, how did you do that? Like most things in the company, it just sort of came to us. We we had somebody come to Merchants Guild when we were still making it in there, who was German, and mm. she loved the product. She was living in Australia, and she said, "I'm moving back home, and I would really love to bring the product there. I think it would do really well in Berlin." And we said, "Yeah, sure, no problem." So she moved over we gave her a little bit of training and sort of sent a few boxes and slowly figured out how to do it and we set up a a distribution well we used a third party logistics company over there mm-hmm. and she would just go around to cafes and show them the product and and it went well you know it went really well and she was really great Lily her name was and we thought well if it works over there in berlin then it could work anywhere really mm. why don't we why don't we try and, and and do this in other parts of the world so had a friend that we spent some time in africa with traveling in uh, new york and sort of called him up and he said yeah sure i'll give it a crack and he well wow. he joined us over there and it just sort of grew from that point it just from berlin started getting inquiries from other parts of Europe. And, uh, and then a friend of mine, Kotaro, who was working for us at one of our cafes, was moving to, Jup- to Japan. Mm-hmm. And same thing. He, he thought it would be a good idea to 
bring it over there with him. <laughs> so he did. And he's doing really, he's still with us now. He's doing really well over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just sort of happened. Wasn't really a planned expansion. We didn't get any investment from anybody. It wow, was just completely bootstrapped. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that 20 bucks out of the till is the only money we've ever put into the company. It's just happened organically and we've grown slowly. You know, 15-year overnight story, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There must have been people along the way who w- had hit you up to invest in the brand, though, and wanting to expand it, though. Has it, hasn't no. that sort of happened? No. Wow, that's super interesting. No. Okay. No, it hasn't. No one's really come to us. It's it's one of those things. It's a It's a product that requires a bit of nuance to sort of expand mm. it's not like a bottle of water that you can just give it to a distributor and tell them to go hell for leather mm. it doesn't work like that it's something that's a bit different if you're not you know now it's sort of commonplace and everyone all the baristas know how to use it because they've used it a sticky try mine or any any others you know mm-hmm. they sort of know mm-hmm. but if it's in a new market it takes a little bit of care and and a, and a little bit of effort well a lot of effort to do all that education and stuff like that so we set up our own sister companies and we have our own employee employees and employer excuse me employees Mm -hmm. and we do it all ourselves well yeah now we're starting to get distributors in different parts of the world that as we sort of build a market in a different region and we say okay well that's got to that level now where it's got a bit of momentum on its own then we sort of look for partners to help us distribute the product Right. Because it must be, I imagine it must be a, actually I don't know. Is it an easy thing to demo with a with a first time user in a cafe or, or, or another establishment to use the product and then try it and then, because they must, you know, get really sold on the product as soon as they try it and then want to buy it, right? It must be pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> look, we've had people from other industries that come along and join our sales team and and the conversion rates, they're sort of, they all say, wow, this is amazing. Mm. The, um, the percentage of people that end up coming on board that you approach is really high. It's unheard of in other industries and stuff. Mm. So it just it's a testament to the product. I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a no-brainer. It smells nice. It's an honest product, you know. It, mm. People see it. They see it's got natu- natural ingredients. It's not a a flavour that's offensive or anything like that. It's warm and spicy and sweet. It appeals to a lot of people. Mm. It's easy to to make and it fits into the Brewster's workflow really well. Yep. So it's not a hard sell. It's a matter of just finding the cafes that would appreciate a product like that and sharing it with them. Makes sense. Could you delve a bit deeper into like the process of how you guys make it, not telling me everything obviously, and explain <laughs> explain why the uniqueness has been really the key from what I'm hearing today to the success of Pranachai? The art is in, you know, really not resting on your laurels and being fastidious and, you know, a bit like roasting coffee to people that don't know about roasting coffee. It seems pretty simple. You just put it in a roaster and cook the beans and but obviously it's you know quite a lot more involved and it's the same with chai you know Mm. what kind of spices you're putting in and 
you know, the pungency of those spices, as we were saying before, the, the volatile oils, how sharp they are, how how much flavour they're they're leaching into the product, mm. and just yeah, just continually trying to improve the product and putting everything into it. You know, we've had advisors come along and sort of say, oh, you know, you've got thousands of customers all over the world. Why don't you sell X and Y along with it and you could you could make more money and, you know. But we don't want to do that. We just want to make one product and we want to do it to the best of our abilities. We want to be the best chai brand in the world. That's all we want. We don't want to sell other things. We don't want to be a distributor. It's not about that. So I think that's really kept us in line, that strategy of just, no, we're not going to get distracted. We're just going to do this thing and we're going to do it as as well as we can. So I think all the effort that goes into that sort of comes comes through, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Must be tempting though to not do, to not think about chai and then go, oh, we're going to do another tea brand. Yeah, you know, or a range of teas. Yeah, hundred percent, right? Supply, you know, alternative milks because you're there, you're in the door, and yeah, you, know, you can sell other things to them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not the right decision. I don't know. Maybe we should be doing that. No, yeah. I think I think yours is the right decision. I'm just well, curious. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows where, where that other road could have le- led us? But it, it, look, there's 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 three owners. We're all equal share owners. We all have young families. Yep. You know, we like the way it is. It's a balanced lifestyle. It's, you know, sometimes we have to work long hours, and and that's fine. Like every every business owner does. Mm. But other times we have flexibility, and we like it like that. And we don't want to get into things that are you know massive volumes with small margins and sure you know all that sort of stuff mm. not really interested in that is it hard to train someone to make the product because what i'm hearing today is like and i think about like i said to you before i started my career in baking right it it kind of sounds like making your product is very similar to how a coffee roaster or how a baker or a pastry chef a chocolatier would think about their role and that there's so many dynamic things with ingredients that are real ingredients mm. that they need to think about oils and spice like you're talking about today like does it take a long time to train someone to learn how to make the product the way you guys like, like the, it at the factory yeah yeah well we've had we've had the same employees forever and we've all <laughs> learnt, we've all learned together it's you know we're, we're a big family there with the awesome. forever the boys and and we sort of do it together mm. we try different things vincent is in charge of procurement he he sort of sources all the ingredients and you know oversees how it's got probably the best palette out of all of us Mm. and he does a lot of that work with the staff and yeah sort of together we try different things and listen to our customers and you know try to give them what what they want you know really end of the day What's the feedback from baristas and that kind of stuff? Are they surprised how easy it is? Because that's the yeah. Sorry. Like, is there anyone competing with you guys in that sort of part of the market? Because it's pretty much syrup, yeah. syrup powder, or yeah. you. And <laughs> oh no, there's a lot of there's a lot of great sticky chai brands out yeah, there. Yeah, right. And there's okay. more every every day. Actually, of I course, I see to, your success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was speaking to somebody in Belgium the other day, and he said. Just it was just a passing comment, and he was talking about a, another brand over there. He said, "Oh, it's a sticky brand that's just come up." Another Australian, he said, "What is it with you Australians and sticky chai?" Oh wow! You know, it's, 
Okay. Because there's quite a few people that have, you know, they've moved overseas and mm. started started chai brands in different parts of the world. So they're out there. There's a lot of people. There's there's a there's a few that do it well like us, and they're really tasty, different flavor to us. Mm. You know, I, I enjoy a lot of other a lot of those brands. And then there's a lot of other companies. They might be a, a tea company, or they have, a, and they bring out a sticky chai because, you know, it's part of their range. Yeah, it's part of their range. Yeah, and they might have somebody else make it for them. Mm. And, you know, that's a di- bit different. And then, and then, yeah, there's the the powdered chais and and the syrups, mm. which are they have their place as well. You know, but we sort of try and do things a bit differently to that than that. And the difficulty with the baristas is getting over that. Well, it's not so hard now in Australia because it's so it's used so much and baristas have had their hands on on prana chai before or other brands before so there's not that education process but pr- that education you know challenge mm. here but overseas we see it in newer markets and the the challenge that we have with the baristas there is getting them to understand that in fact it's not more time consuming than a syrup or a powder I agree because you still have to put the product into the pot or the jug or the pitcher or whatever it is and you still got to heat the milk and do those things and you're not going to sit there and wait a minute for it to infuse your hands are going to be busy pouring the shots of the next docket or whatever it is yeah so it's just sort of getting to understand actually it doesn't take longer it might be a little bit of a different service flow Mm. but you know the places that we're trying to show the product to have usually got pretty good baristas and once they understand that then it, it that sort of gets gets dealt with if you know what i mean so mm. like you were saying before it's 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 better if we can get a demo with them and sort of say can we come in and we'll show you the product yep because we really think it's suited for for what you're doing there mm-hmm. and if we can sort of get some time with them to explain it and show them then it's pretty it's pretty obvious that it's not a big deal to, to switch over in terms of service flow. When I've run a lot of bakeries and cafes, most baristas I know are really excited when they see a prana chai ticket come up because it's a lot it, it, in a really heavy flow of dockets. It's a lot easier than doing most of the other stuff they need to do with, you know, half strength decaf with extra hot oat milk. Quicker than making a coffee. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. How does it feel to see your products? you know, be so loved all over the world. Like, could you share some of the challenges that the three of you have faced, like actually developing this product, like actually bringing this product to market overseas? Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's it's really awesome, you know. You, yeah. you might be on holiday somewhere or when you go travelling for work. And the thing about it is it's, it's just really beautiful to get recommended a, a cafe or something or hunt down one of your... One of your one of your cafes that you know of, and mm. you know it might be down a little side street somewhere, and in an alleyway, and it feels like a a Melbourne cafe, you know. And it's really interesting to go to strange places around the world and meet people. And then when you meet them, they're hospitality people. Yeah, they share the same gripes that you do, uh, you know, staff and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do the same things that 
other it's really a, a really a really interesting it's almost like a family really yeah cafe operators you know what i mean they're, yep. they're all the same and it's just really great to see that happening all over the world and it, it's amazing how much influence the australian market has got in how many different places mm. really yeah it's really really interesting to see yeah and it's interesting to see in new markets the way that the cafes cafe industry and the hospitality industry develops you know you might go somewhere that's had that third wave come through five years ago and you'll have a certain conversation with them yep. and then you might go to eastern europe or something like that where it's maybe a bit newer and you'll have conversations that you were having you know eight years ago <laughs> yes. but they're the same conversations yes you know what i mean they're yeah. uh, first you get people opening up espresso bars and they just want to do coffee and they don't want to do anything else and mm. maybe some pastries and they do really well and it's pretty bootstrapped and stuff like that and mm. they're really popular and then somebody opens up down the road so they offer different things and then it gets to the point where it's more about the food and the brunch and then chefs that are maybe wanting to work you know daylight hours only start getting involved and you know, yeah it just happens everywhere and this everywhere's a bit different but it's really super interesting to see how it you see it progress in in different parts of the world i really find that fascinating that's awesome the challenges i suppose are just overseas it's more about logistics mm. you know before COVID, it was really easy to have a the 3PL that would just flick the orders around in little boxes around Europe. But, you know, these days it's a bit harder with expenses of, you know, transport and sure. you know, all that sort of stuff. Logistics yeah. is a bit in the air. So that's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. When it's a new product, obviously you've got to do more, more sort of education. Sure. And then as you grow, it becomes a challenge to look after those customers. You, you still want to give the same service mm. but when you're on the other side of the world and when it's really spread out that becomes really difficult mm. we're, we're a bit old school we we have people that deliver the chai that work for the company <laughs> you know we don't use a courier company really for the main cities that we're in well wow. that's in australia yeah so we're trying to we can't do that obviously overseas but mm. we're trying to have those same relationships and stuff so that's a challenge yeah, they're the main ones, really. Just the education and and um, logistics and logistics, really. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, but yeah, we enjoy it. We enjoy the challenge. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's a moving feast. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, have you have you do many have many people taken the chai out of the cafe and used it for like desserts or used it for cocktails and things like that over yeah. the years as well? Yeah, great question. Yeah, we just had a, a, a factory launch. And we had some cocktails, and they all had a, a chai base, or they had a, a chai element to them. Wow! A friend of ours made a cake as a present, and she infused chai into into the cake. Cool. And then we had some cannolis made, and <laughs> yeah, same. You can really you can really do a lot with it. I mean, you can poach pears in the chai, which is really nice. It's really great to use to make ice cream. This, yeah. People love playing around with it. You always 
have you know see people posting weird recipes with it and stuff like that. It's <laughs> really cool. We've got a recipe book that we share with people and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a good recipe book. Have you have you so have you thought about developing the product in different ways then? Maybe like developing using the sticky chai to actually bring a deeper syrup, a different syrup than what's in the market, and using that for beverage or yeah. using that for something else. Yeah, we've thought about it a million times. Right. And what stopped you? Bring ourselves to do it. Yeah, we okay. Don't want to do it. So we 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 just want to do what we do. We've even gone right up to the cliff's edge and had people try to develop a a a, a product because you know over the years when you you would get frustrated because when you're trying to change from a powder or a, a syrup, there's a certain amount of people that just don't want to let go mm. and uh, that don't like change or whatever it is. So we've been tempted and we've had a look at it, but it, it, we just can't get the same. We just weren't happy with the with the product. Sure, you know, food technologists try it to emulate the the same flavour profile in a syrup, and it, it just was never good enough. And right. We just thought, well, do we do we have a subpar product? You know, we thought, well, we could have a different brand, maybe make it from the try and have a different brand, but then. It's a whole another company, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know? More complexity that you don't actually yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, not really. Yeah, we're trying to try to keep it simple, <laughs> keep our wives happy. You know <laughs> makes, what I mean? Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> don't work as much. <laughs> totally understand. One question I do want to ask you is because you know the three of you are in this business together, right, with Vincent and Karai. I always like to ask people who have been together in business for a long time, like, what are a couple of tips to make sure that you have a successful business relationship but also remain remain mates which sounds like you're still really good mates coming out today's conversation like how do you make sure you do that over 15 years i just think we just we we're always say you know just you gotta have thick skin you know i grew up in a, a big family with six kids and my mum used to say you know what just say what what you want to say don't hold anything inside just say you're stuffed up and that's it and, yep. you know, and just get over it. And, mm. and we're all, I mean, we do everything the hard way. We, mm. we, you know, as the business grows, it becomes a business that none of us have ever, ever had experience running before. <laughs> you know, we're cafe operators. We yep. don't know what we're doing a lot of the time. We're learning as we're going. And I think we all have got to that point over time that we're happy with our shortcomings, you know. And we, we I think the biggest problem for myself and, possibly for other partners is that sense of letting people down when you do the wrong thing or you do make mistakes because you have partners and you want mm. the best for them and their families and I think if you just sort of you know get it out in the open and get over it I feel like there's less chance of things bottling up and 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 uh, creating an issue a bit like a marriage yeah makes a lot of <laughs> sense right <laughs> so we do that and you know we have people come and go staff and they sort of say oh my god you guys talk to each other like shit you know like, <laughs> are you guys fighting it's like no no we're not fighting we're just communicating with each other <laughs> in a really open and honest way well we're mates now you know well yeah, I've, yeah, I've been yeah. friends with, with vincent for over 40 years and cry isn't like yeah you know, he's just slotted right in there and it's yep. just like the third wheel it's you know the yeah so we're just friends and we just yeah like anybody talks to any of their mates i suppose mm. Do you guys have like, is there any crossover in what you guys do within the business or do you have like 
distinct roles that you play with inside that business? Like what makes it successful in that way? Yeah, we do. We have we have our roles. So I do more of the finance stuff, I suppose. Karai does more of the marketing and all the digital stuff, all the technical stuff like that. And Vincent does the procurement and quality control. And then we have really great staff that take care of sales and all the other departments. We've been really lucky. We've been really, really lucky that... Yeah, you know, so many fantastic people have come, and mm. most of them have stayed. Some of them haven't, but everyone's been awesome, really. And we've been lucky that we've had a lot of people that have really helped us a lot along the way, which is weird, you know. <laughs> well, weird never, in what way? Well, we've never really, you know, put a massive effort into hiring. You know, yeah, people right. Who just come along, or people that we knew, or a friend of a friend, and yeah. You know, we've right place, right time. Yeah, it's been really weird. It's sort of, you know, somebody that left a job and was like, oh well, let's make room for this person because they, I reckon they'd be really good, and it just sort of happened like that. Yeah. Interesting. Has that been has it been hard for you guys to do to actually? And I'm very much a believer of that. Like you, you find an amazing person. I'm sure you had this with the cafes as well. You find an amazing person who walks in the door and. Their energy is just on point. And you actually don't need another brister. You don't need another front of house person. You don't need another chef. Being like, far out. Like, I really need to just come and I'll figure out how we pay yeah. you later. Like, we'll make sure we pay you, but we'll figure it out somehow. Yeah. Like, is that sort of the way that it sort of – it sounds like that's the way it sort of come along Absolutely. with the brand. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's always like that. And there's often times where you sort of can't afford to have a role. And for a long time we held back in hiring people and – and spending on that because there wasn't the justification but then after a while we learned that well actually you need to invest to make that happen you need to get that person who will then help the company to justify their their existence so that was that was a bit of a turning point in the company when we learned that lesson Hmm. a few years ago my final question to you is like what kind of legacy are you trying to leave the industry with and what are the exciting plans that you've got sort of future like you, you come from such a humble place you know from from running a cafe with with vincent and growing this thing and, and building and building and building it like you're supplying all over the world like it's amazing what you guys are doing thanks yeah it's it's good we could do things a lot better but we're pretty proud of what we've done mm. uh, i know i guess i think the biggest thing for us is you know, we really feel that cafes, you know, they put so much effort into their coffee. The the person who grows the coffee, you know, they source it from that person. It mm. has to be quite particular. The person who roasts the coffee is very serious about <laughs> that and there's a lot of effort in it. Then the barista, I mean, there's wormholes everywhere. Yep. There's, you know, and there's so much energy that goes into that coffee. When you put that coffee onto the customer's table and if the person sitting next to that customer wants a chai well they deserve the same respect as the coffee drinker you know that's what we really really believe and so we just want people to have that option yeah if you fine whatever you can serve whatever you like but if you want to have a, a product that you know has the same sort of clout as that cup of coffee and you want to treat everybody with that respect then we want to be able to help you to do that. 
So that's that's basically what we're all about. We and you know we get asked what what why do we exist? We, we talk about it, and we basically sort of drill into the, to everyone involved that you know we're there to help people bring help our customers bring people in the door. Mm. Uh, that basically that's what we're trying to do. You know, it's not about margins. You know, there's no use making great margins if you can't sell it. You know, it's about a product that is going to attract people in the door so they come in and spend money. Because if the cafes are able to do what they love, then we're able to do what we love. Mm. You know what I mean? So everything revolves around that. So that's what we try to do. We try to have a product that's going to help cafe owners survive. It's going to help them attract people because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Well, that's what I feel anyway. You know, that's the most important thing about hospitality is bringing people in the door, you know. So, and I hope that we help people to do that in, in a small way. I hope that we help you know, the industry a little bit by adding a product that adds to the, the whole, uh, you know, all the one percenters of a cafe that you mm. know you have to get right. Yes. Know? And then the the extension of that is that we just we we know that people love drinking the product, right? You know, it's not a it's not healing anybody or anything it's not, <laughs> not a big deal but it's a nice five minutes out of your day you sit there and you got the pot and the strainer and you you have your little ceremony and you you, you have your nice warm it's like a warm hug you know it's mm-hmm. and it brings a little bit of joy which is why we got into hospitality anyway you know what i mean that's why we got into cafes because we like people we like having a laugh and <laughs> making people feel good we like turn them, turning them around. You know, they come in and they're not 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 in that <laughs> yes, their headspace. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. You know, we used to love sort of trying to, you know, brighten people's day a little bit, and that's that's basically it. It's pretty simple. I love it. Yeah, that, that's that's what we're trying to do. Congratulations on everything that the three of you have done. Like, it's really exciting. The fact that this is such a popular Melbourne brand that's doing so much internationally, like. You should be getting much more acclaim for everything that the three of you have done. Like, congratulations. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's a good story. What's the best way that people can get in contact with you guys and, and, and try some of the products? com. Beautiful. Yeah, easy. Easy done. We'll get back to you very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> I can attest to it for that. That's going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you can contact Prana Chai as well and try some of this amazing sticky chai. It's incredible. Thanks, Mario. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you definitely enjoyed that podcast, and especially with an amazing producer like Prana Chai. I know you're going to definitely try it. If not, I'm sure you're probably using it right now in your cafe venue. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're obviously making this content with the industry in mind. And the one reason we can keep doing it is if you share it along with your mates. So please do so. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, 
reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com.